0: Love Talk Radio. to raise the question what is it that we're going to do independent of white people it is very very hard for us to envision a world without white people but we cannot create our own agenda until and unless we can define an agenda that can envision a world in which they don't exist now we have to wake up and come back to the reality of them but certainly when we talk about a future we have to talk about a future from our point of view And our historical understanding of reality.
1: Ani Sogoma, Salbona, Majro, Abargani, Nangadef, Ndamanash, Ndamanai, Yimhotep, Hetepu, Peace, War, Pan African Greetings, family, you've entered Africa's reascension, and this is Kamal Makase Tahutu. We shall start off as usual with an apae or libation which deliberately calls upon the energies of our African gods, our African spirit forces, and the forces of those yet born to guide and bless this endeavor. Ago, I Ago, Ago, Inyame, Inyame, Wa, Odomakuma, Tritiyapon, Olorun, Mawuglisa, Amenra, Beje, Ensa. Sasuya, it's uh soon and sa. Abasun po and sa. Nana Sujabi, it's uh, nana esiketuwa, it's uh, nana dada kofi, it's uh, nana tigure, nana tigare, nana tigure, it's uh, nana senkofa, it's uh nana kumi, it's uh quick u free and sa. Akonade abena, it's uh, asubonta, it's uh, bochurewa, and saw minsa it's uh go Oya and Sa, O Shun and Sa, Jehuti and Sa, Asar and Sa, Sekmet and Sa, Nana Noman Samantha and Sa, and Samantha Abasuafa and Sa, Abasun Abasuafa and Sa, <clears throat> Ishremo Yansen, Ishremo Ahudin, Ishremo and Cher. Shrimo Sikapa Yashrimo and Kwasu Yashrimo and Kwasu Abasura Yay and As Ask the Chu Odomakoman and Yame Nyamewa Treaty Pom Mawulisa Olorun Amin Ra Katwakata Use me and this form to transmit clear African centered theoretical and practical information so those listening can use it for their own transformation back into the sovereign Africans they once were. Now speak directly to your Sun Sun, your spirit, your Ori, your spiritual head, and your Ab, which for Kemet represented the seat of intelligence. And may these words awaken the long, dormant, confused, and asleep African, I'm yo <laughs> the apae, or libation is an ancient practice that is still done to this nanosecond in all rural traditional areas throughout the continent. Past, present, and future become one, as those of tomorrow. Look upon what we are doing now and drawing strength from and doing the rituals of yesterday. Again, this is Africa's Reascension, your host, Kamal Mukasey Tehuti. Please click on all the ads that are on the page. Even if you don't buy nothing, just clicking them helps me out with the program I'm in with blog talk. Um, we have a YouTube page, the Africa's Reascension Channel, A F R I K A S R E A S C E N T I O N, all one word, Africa's Reascension Channel. There we have visual clips of segments of our archives, archive shows. Um, we've got favorites saved from YouTube's and other uploads. So, Mama Rimba Ani, Amos Wilson, John Henry Clark, and the brother who we, yeah, who we will be listening to tonight, uh, Baba Jetty Shimsu Jehuti. He's also on there as well with, with a lecture or two. So, check that out on YouTube, Africa's Reascension channel. If you like a copy of my book, How to make a Negro Christian, please go to negrochristian.webs.com. N E G R O C H R I S T I A N dot W E B S dot com. If you go there, you buy my book at sixteen ninety five plus shipping and handling. You get to pick another book that's listed there for free. So you get two books for the price of one. So you buy my book you get another book for free. So, again, negrochristian.webs.com. Other good blog talk shows that are out there, Pan-Africanism or Perish by Taj Malik. He's on Thursday nights at 10 o'clock. Excellent, excellent show. You should definitely check that out. African Holistic Healing by Ambassador Asar, Mr. Holipsism. That's on every 9th and 19th of the month at 9 p.m. Those two brothers have some magnificent common sense African-centered information, so you definitely, definitely want to check them out. And most folks probably already listen to Queenie Fama, the true scientist, Sundays at 7. She's right on before me, so she's on from 7 to 9. Then you've got Africa's Reascension from 9 to 11, and then um, also another good show, most of the time is um, Amun Ra Squad killing them with scholarship. That's um, our brother Ankh and three other good folks, the Amun Ra Squad. They're on from um, eleven to one on Sundays, right after this show. And so you can type in Amun Ra Squad or God Killer <laughs> into the blog talk search and. His show will pop right up. Um, We've got some events to talk about. Um, Coming up right around the corner in two weeks, July 26th through the 31st, um, the Association of Black Psychologists will be having their 43rd annual convention, um, Bridging for the Future Through Collaboration and Community building. They have their whole itinerary and everything up online right now. So uh, for more information about that, abpsi.org, A-B-P-S-I dot Also, for folks who are here in the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area, Temple of Inyame invites you to join our Orisha
2: Feast Community
1: Day, honoring and celebrating the Orisha, Essence of Nature in Prayer, Song, and Dance. Sunday, July 31st at 4 o'clock, 1501T, as in Together, T Street Southeast. Um, Dinner will be served. Um, They say this is a time of yearly renewal, sharing, and offering to Oladumare, the Orisha, the ancestors, and the community. This ties us into the cycle of seasons and aligns us with the essence of nature. So, again, the Orisha Feast, Sunday, July 20, excuse me, July 31st at 4 o'clock, at 1501 T Street, T is in, terrific, T Street Southeast. Um, I've been to a few of these, and they're very, very good. Um, So you want to check that out from the Temple of Inyame. And for other folks here in the D.C., Virginia, Maryland area, Um, Woodson-Banneker-Jackson Bay Division 330 of the UNIA will be having their annual Marcus Garvey Day celebration, with the theme being focusing on re-Africanization as a way forward in the UN's declared International Year of People of African Descent. That will be Sunday, August 14th, from 2 to 7 at Nation House. 770 Park Road, Northwest. Um, Keynote speaker will be Umar Abdullah-Johnson, psychologist, blood relative of Frederick Douglass, a national expert on learning disabilities and their effects on black children. And there will also be uh, music and a fashion show. They have some vendors, spoken word, all that sort of stuff. So you want to check that out, again, if you're in the area. Uh, the UNIA Garvey Day celebration, focusing on reactivation as the way forward, Sunday, August 14th, 2011, uh, from 2 p.m. to 7 at Nation House, 770 Park Road Northwest. All right. We'll do a few promos and some music and then come back and we will be listening to a lecture um, by Baba uh, J.D. Shimsu His European name was Jacob Carruthers, and the talk was The Deep Well of African Culture and African Spirituality. Um, since folks... Reading from the description page, uh, since folks liked the first lecture show that we did, figured do another one. Today, yeah, so a lot of good information and a lot of deep information will be shared by this master teacher. I know a lot of some folks, you know, throw around the term master teacher, but Baba, Baba Jehudi was a master teacher. I got a chance to sit in on his last um, class that he taught, um, one before he resigned as teacher and before he passed and became a, 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 an ancestor in Samantha. So I got a chance to sit at his feet and, and actually, you know, see his teaching style and see what he was teaching, all that sort of stuff. And the way that he did it was masterful. Uh, <laughs> The, the, not only, you know, the information that he was putting out was top-notch, but just the way that he was conducting the class and engaging the students and all that sort of, engaging the Christians <laughs> that was in the class and all that was, was masterful. So he definitely um, deserves the title of master teacher that we gave him. And so uh, that will definitely come out in this um lecture in this um, lecture presentation that he did on the deep well of African culture and the deep well of African spirituality.
3: He clears
1: up a lot, a lot of misconceptions about what our spiritual system is. He clears up misconceptions about what the culture is. Um, if we listen to this on a regular basis, a lot of crazy questions and crazy comments that folks be throwing around and using, they could not use anymore um, because he answers them and shoots them down and and sets them straight. (laughs) And so I knew once I had got this DVD that I had to uh, make sure to share it with the wider audience because uh, it was information that folks needed to hear. And so uh, hopefully with all who are listening live and all who are in the chat room and especially all who will download this, that you all uh, see it as worthwhile as well. And if you see yourself getting into conversations where a lot of these crazy comments, we're not African and African spirituality and what's that and that's that spooky stuff and all that, blah, blah, blah. Play this for them. Download this, give it to them. Give them the site, all that. Um, because the, the the sooner we get clarity on who we are or what our culture is or what our spirituality really is, um, the sooner we'll move forward in this liberation that we all talk about. But I don't even know if some of us really want it. I think some of us are just talking liberation talk because it sounds good, but they're not offering nothing different, saying anything different. So how will the society, the new society look different? If everything's the same, you're just blackening it up. How is it going to really be different? But um, anyway, Play a few promos and some music and then get right into the deep well of African culture and African spirituality by Baba Jacob Carruthers, better known as Jedi Shimsu Jihout.
3: Peace and divine love, family. Do you want to critically analyze African culture from an intellectual, honest, and practical perspective? Are you tired of all the distractions, self-righteousness, yelling and argument with no plan or solution? Do you want to build on the facts and deal with the subject or issue at hand? Well, come and listen to our nation's ambassador, Asar, make Knowledge Born every 9th and 19th of each month at 9 p.m. That's every 9th and 19th of each month at 9 p.m. on the show everyone is talking about, African Holistic Healing, at blogtalkradio.com. Forward slash Ambassador Assar. That's blogtalkradio.com forward slash Ambassador Assar, spelled A U S A R. Or call in live to build or ask questions at 347 850 8653. That's 347 850 8653. Peace.
4: I'm Shaka Ndugu Kemet. Check out AfroStyle. That's dot com slash English. If you have not yet seen Introduction to Kemet, you're already sleeping. I don't argue as state facts. Hence why I check the Hebrew Israelites, the black Muslims, Ali Muhammad, Dr. Wesley Muhammad,
5: the Moors, and many others. No matter what, I never lied on them, disrespected them, nor called them names. I also
4: proved that Allah is not written in hieroglyphics. I thank Brother Holipsism for the opportunity. Asante and hote to all non-religious heterosexual Africans worldwide. People call themselves african American. It's even you're one or the other. I know, I'm, I'm, I'm from London. Stop for me. You're not English. Well, even if you're from Dominican Republic, somebody brought you there.
1: African culture and spirituality in jail
0: of the essence of African spirituality
2: yeah.
0: dr. Jake Carruthers was born and raised in Texas there he received his undergraduate degree and a master's in government from Texas Southern University he has a doctorate in political science from the University of Colorado and he is currently a professor of inner city studies at Northeastern Illinois University. Most important, however, he is a founding director of the Association for the Study of Possible African Civilization. He was our first national president, and he served three glorious terms and he continues to be the rock on which this organization stands. He is also a founding member and director of the Kometic Institute in Chicago. Brother Jake is a renowned scholar, author, lecturer, and a spiritual leader and teacher. He has an insightful connection with the Divine Ones, our ancestors. He understands their instructions and he interprets and communicates them to us with such clarity that he is clearly the divine speaker of this speech and the divine speaker of these thoughts. And he speaks with an ease and an elegance that can only come from his soul, from the God of him. He is author of many articles, essays, and several well-known books. One, The Irritated Genie, which is Essay on the Haitian Revolution. He is author of Nature*, a book of divine speech. It's the histori- historiographical reflection of African Greek thought thoughts from the time of Pharaoh to the present. Dr. Clark stated that Professor Carruthers has helped us sharpen our tools for the intellectual battles of the present and the future. And of course, his latest work of genius, *Intellectual Warfare*, which April Hilliard stated, demonstrates the kind of thinking that is required of Africans in order to be free. He is an humble man, one who always asks, "Not much be said." So we'll simply say, "Please stand and welcome our beloved brother."
4: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Thank you. सा
5: May you come in peace? Welcome and greetings. If anybody here was born before February the fifteenth, nineteen thirty, would you give me permission to speak? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm <laughs> <Ellen>. <laughs> Thank you, sister, for that great uh flattering over inflated uh, introduction. Uh, but Jake Chicago, that's what I use to intimidate
2: people.
5: <laughs> but thank you so much for inviting me here. It's always a humbling experience to be invited into one of the great families in our movement. I always get so much inspiration by the effort of uh, and the commitment that I experience when I come into the Eastern region. And uh, I can see that you have kept that spirit going uh, by this great conference that you have arranged here. Uh, So thank you for inviting me, and let me commend you on the work you're doing. And uh, the program so far has been very inspiring and very insightful uh, to me. Uh, And it's good to see you again. I would like to bring you greetings from some of the organizations that I represent. Uh, the sister uh, doesn't know that I retired from the university in uh, August. But I'm still connected with the center in many, many ways, and so i consider myself a representative of the family of the Central Inter-City Studies where I worked for more than three decades. From the committee institute, of course, which is my heart, where I do my work, and from the Temple of the African Community in Chicago, where we are in the process of restoring an African temple, which fits in with the theme. Of this conference, so very well. The sisters and the brothers in those organizations and institutions send their warm greetings to you, and they are with us in spirit. We are having the regional conference of the Midwest region in Chicago uh, on the first weekend in November, and we uh, invite everybody to attend because in addition to a very good program as I have looked over the shoulders of the organizing committee, we are also bringing the members of the planning uh, committee of the African World History Project together to finish our organization for the production of the second volume, which we hope to get out uh, next year. uh, Sister Nzinga tells me that we're going to have a paperback edition of the first volume uh, in the near future, so be on the lookout for that. And all the friends, I know everybody has the hardback edition, but uh, you can send all of your friends a paperback for, a copy. So please get involved in that. Well, uh, I, one of my favorite expressions through the years has been this deep well. Of African culture and African spirituality and so I'm just delighted to have an opportunity to say something about that. And Let me start off with something that John Henry Clark uh, used to say all the time and, and, and everybody has heard it. Uh, he said it many, many times but he published it in his book, Africa, Africa as a Crossroads in uh, 1991 and this is the way he uh, put it when he put it in that book. No people can be spiritually, politically, or psychologically free when they worship an image of God assigned to them by another people. The new revolution in Africa that will usher in real independence will start when Africans begin to look at all aspects of their life based upon their spirituality, their culture, and their political interests. That is the instruction from our elder, our masterpieces, John Henry Clark. And in a certain sense, he echoed a sentiment that um, Brother Fooker uh, articulated last night uh, that was put this way in 1898, 102 years ago, by Bishop Henry McNeil Turner. That God is a Negro.
4: Okay.
5: Uh, both Dr. Clark and Mrs. Turner looked at the problem of African spirituality as absolutely critical. That we must approach African spirituality as a part of the liberation movement. If spirituality is not involved in the liberation movement, then it's no good. And if we're going to be liberated, we must liberate our spirituality. And that's what they had in mind. And so uh, we look at all of our great teachers, all of our great leaders, Dr. Ben Yakima, in exposing the origins of the major Western religions. Had the same objective to get us ready spiritually to revolutionize this world.
4: What led these
5: great Africans to radically question the religious traditions they've been raised in? What uh, led them to search for an African or black God? And then, on the other hand, what led hundreds of Africans, during the time I grew up, to abandon spirituality altogether, to embrace atheistic Marxism, and ultimately to lead some of our very distinguished thinkers, like Professor John G. Jackson, to embrace atheism. What's going on? and then, what has caused so many of us to attempt to return to our traditions in search of spiritual enrichment? But that, of course, leads to the real question, and that is why did so many of our ancestors abandoned our spiritual traditions. And then finally, How can we restore African spirituality to provide a foundation for the present day world, to provide a foundation for our revolution? So, I want to try to clarify some of those questions in the next uh, few minutes. I would like to first of all do something that I don't ordinarily do, and that is. Share with you a brief biolog- autobiographical sketch uh, of my spiritual canuity. I call it saluity, That is my journey uh, to spirituality, or uh, through spirituality. Uh, the reason I call it canuity is because uh, of Senoue, who left home, went to a foreign country, stayed there for years and years, but finally found his way back home. And that is something that we ought to sort of think about in terms of each of our individual journeys through life. After I do that, I'd like to briefly revisit uh, the history of African spirituality, looking at some of the highlights and some of the lowlights or the low points. Uh, And then I'd like to take a survey, a very brief survey, Of the deep well of African spirituality and make a few closing remarks. So, if you will bear with me, let me begin. Uh, I'm what they call, you know, the common term is PK, a preacher's kid. My daddy was a Methodist minister Uh, in the South. In the community that I really first came to consciousness, in terms of spirituality, uh, in that context, uh, there was a very small black community, and there were three types of churches there, the Methodist, the Baptist, and the Holiness. Uh, the difference, of course, was that the Methodist, as many people have told us, was uh, sprinklers, so I was sprinkled. The Baptist, inundated in the water and the holy dance. They were the nearest, I think, to African traditional spirituality. And whenever we would whenever our church service ended, the kids would run over to the Holy Church to catch the dance. Because they danced from ten o'clock in the morning to ten o'clock at night. and so I was, you know, came up in the spirit of prosperism. The difference between Baptists and Methodists wasn't as acute in the South as it was in the North, outside the spring and the, the inundations. I mean, otherwise uh the Methodist Church sounded very much like a Baptist church because the Methodist preacher couldn't stay in those no churches in the South unless he preached instead of lecture. Um, so I was surrounded in that time with black Protestantism. Um, And then on the other side of my family, I had a very, very different uh, type of uh, spiritual uh, experience. My grandmother, my maternal grandmother, was a Christian scientist practitioner. Uh, She cured people through the spirit. Uh, And she had a great impact on that side of my family. She was truly the matriarch of of, uh, a part of that. In contrast to Mama Stella, my grandmother, was my great aunt who we called Aunt Susie. Aunt Susie, um, was a client and a devotee of Father Jesse Dale. And Father Jesse Dale was into what we, at that time, called Hulu. And Aunt Susie didn't do anything when our consultant uh, <laughs> the prophet, uh, just today, uh, she, she, she consulted him about policy, and she played policy, and before she played her policy every day, she would, uh, ask him what numbers did she play, and anything that went wrong with any of us, she would, so I was, uh, caught up in several traditions of spirituality. Uh, as a child, and, naturally, I was a little confused and a little torn as I, uh, because Aunt Susie was my favorite. You know, she was, I just liked to hang around her. But then, Daddy would tell me, don't listen to that. (laughs) So, but as I grew up, I had a great concern about this spirituality. And when I went to college, I ran into a very sophisticated uh, college minister, Reverend Howard DeGrasse Asperger, who would pose questions like, uh, do you really believe that Jesus ascended all the way to heaven? Because they tell me that once you get so high, you stop going up and you start going around, and can you see Jesus flipping around in his rooms? And then he posed the question, can God is, Do you believe that God is omnipotent? If you do, can he make a rock so large he can't lift it himself? Uh, In other words, he was giving us the shock treatment on these traditional beliefs that we had. And so I began to question this this spirituality that I was raised in and tried to figure out what way we ought to go. And finally, I took a brief detour into agnosticism into atheism, started flirting around with Marxism, and finally just tried to blank the whole spiritual agenda out of my mind as irrelevant and inconsistent with where we were going. But the more I got involved in trying to figure out how we as a people are gonna get out of this mess to an end, the more I began to realize that we ain't going nowhere. With spirituality. <laughs> without spirituality. You um,
2: can't leave without
5: I used to look, I, I looked at the various movements and I wondered why Martin Luther King and Malcolm X and Elijah Muhammad uh, had such great followers when these intellectual Marxists had virtually nobody following them. And so finally, I decided that we had better start a serious search our link to African spirituality and we had that in mind as we created the Committee Institute, the Temple of the African Community of Chicago, and the foundation of ASCAP because as you know one of the four commissions in ASCAP is the Spiritual Commission, the Spiritual Development Commission. So by that time we were thoroughly convinced that the right road to revolution The right road to liberation was a road that was founded in spirituality. What I'd like to do now is to take a brief historical survey of the highlights and the low points of African spirituality going back about 4,000 years. Um, first of all, bearing in mind what Sheikh Abdi has told us about the cultural unity of Africa. Beneath and underpinning whatever variety you see in terms of spirituality and in terms of our spiritual uh, journey over the last 4,000 years, that is a profound cultural and spiritual unity. Um, we have sort of matricule idea to emphasize the spiritual union and to emphasize the historical unity. But the one thing that we must point out and must be certain that we emphasize is that there is time and space continuity in our uh, spiritual journeys. Um, if you look at the fact that the terror that has descended on African humanity and that has been so trumped during the last five hundred years has not been able to erase traditional African spirituality. That uh, on the continent you still have what Hampate Ba calls the living tradition that is steeped in the, uh, African spirituality. Throughout the diaspora, you have Vodou in Haiti, you have Santeria in Cuba, and Condombe uh, in, uh, in Brazil. And all over the diaspora, you have pockets of the celebration of African spirituality. They haven't been able to stand it out. It's here. Um, and when we look at the focus that we've had for the last 17 or 18 years here in ASCAP, that is Kemet, uh, we can begin to see uh, something about African spirituality, and something about the possibilities of African spirituality. One of the things that's outstanding about African spirituality as it was developed in Kemet is the fact that African spirituality in Kemet was based upon an urban-dominated culture. That's something that we have to really look at today uh, because of what is happening to us in this urban dominated world. We have to understand that that spiritual system that was worked out in Kemet was a cosmopolitan uh, form of African spirituality. It was a, a form of spirituality that resulted in a synthesis of uh, various uh, perspectives on African spirituality. As the Africans came from all over the continent to the Nile Valley, they brought with them their celebrations. And what the priesthood of Kemet did was to take those celebrations and synthesize them and make them into one supra-national and ethnic uh, type of celebration that was based upon the idea of inclusion rather than exclusion. That all perspectives. You are listening to
1: the lecture, Dr. Ancestor Jacob Carruthers, The Deep Well of African Culture and African Spirituality. We will continue after this quick break. Africa's Reascension, Kamal McCasey Tahuti.
3: As of this moment, we are at war
1: blogtalkradio.com slash Kamau 301. K A M A U 301. 760 454 1111. 760 454 1111. When
4: are we going to, as African people, step up the dialogue?
1: Sundays, 9 p.m.
4: Eastern. Because it's black... African power.
1: An uncompromising, unapologetic African centered internet radio show.
4: Until we establish Africa as the preeminent value, none of those other solutions mean a doggone
1: thing. Blogtalkradio.com slash Kamau 301. K A M A U 301. If you're not about nation building, you're not about African centeredness. 760-454-1111. 760-454-1111.
3: As of this moment, we are at war.
0: There's no evidence that those black and white races can live in close proximity to each other in peace. Without without whites attempting to oppress and exterminate
3: the black.
1: Blogtalkradio.com slash Kamau 301.
4: K A M A U three zero one. What kind of God? Do you wish it? What's the name of it? Who taught you to praise him? was this the God you were praying to before you were brought to these shores? Is this the religion you had before you were brought to these shores? Can you name one African God? Sundays,
1: 9 p.m. Eastern. BlogTalkRadio.com/slash slash Kamau301. K-A-M-A-U-301. We now return to Babajedi Shimsu Jehudi and his lecture, The Deep Well of African Culture and African Spirituality.
5: ...of spirituality that are truly founded for him, uh, the, the, the reverence of the creation are acceptable, and we can work them into the overall framework. And therefore there was, there were national priesthoods that, uh, that cultivated and extended uh, these uh, these uh, spiritual uh, uh, brotherhoods and sisterhoods. Uh, they built spiritual uh, memorials. They built temples and tombs and statues as a part of the celebration of the creation, of the recognition of the work of God. And every one of them was built on the image that God put forth in the universe. Uh, but that was changed over the years. Uh, the, the, the spiritual system grew and expanded and made modifications as the history uh, presented itself. As historical conditions changed, the spiritual uh, system, in its uh, outer appearance, changed to meet uh, those uh, different uh, situations. But the one thing that we can say about it is that for the 4,000 years of a Bible comedic spirituality, that, uh, that there was a constant spirit of renewal. After about a thousand years, when the country seemed to be drifting, when spirituality seemed to be uh, drifting away from the people, or the people drifting away from spirituality, what you had was the proclamation of a wahemi masu. And that is a repetition of the birth, of going back to the foundation and building on those spiritual foundations. And that idea of a perpetual Mohamed that the Renaissance, because that's the first uh, definition of what we now call a Renaissance, because the Renaissance is not something that happens one time. It's not something that is in the past, but it is a perpetual feature of African spirituality. There is a constant renewal, a constant rebirth. And that is what kept African spirituality in existence in its vibrant form in the Nile Valley for 4,000 years. It started in Kush, it went into Kemet, and then it ended in Kush before the forces that I'm going to talk about in a minute uh, descended upon it. Uh, One of the reasons that African spirituality in the Nile Valley was weak Uh, so that when the foreigners descended on it, it began to collapse and fade away, is because of a crisis of the the governing system. That is, what happened is that the governors, because of the cosmopolitan nature of African culture in the Nile Valley, began to flirt with foreign ideas and began to incorporate foreign uh, anti-spiritual forces. Uh, Into their governments. And that undermined the cooperation between the priesthood and the governing agents. And that began to grow. And finally, because of the warfare between the priests and the pharaohs, the system began to collapse. It took about a thousand years for it to finally fade out. There was one attempt to restore it. Uh, in what they call the 25th Dynasty, or what John Henry Clark called uh, "Kemet's last walk in the sun," when the very, very black people from the interior of Africa said, "We got to go back. We got to go back down there and uh, restore that which we built in the first place," and Pianke and Chewbacca and so forth and so on, uh, as Brother Coleman pointed out last night, went down to try to restore it one more time. Uh, and even though it finally failed in a substantial sense, we must recognize that that form of spiritual uh, culture fed much of the world. That the Jews came into the Nile Valley time after time and drank from the deep well of African spiritual life and took it out into their part of the world to try to revive what they were doing. And the Greeks, and on and on, they went into that deep well. When the Christians came in, they went into that deep well and took something out to try to revive what they were doing. And that leads us to what I call the first and the second coming. The first and the second comings are these revealed religions, are these proselytizing religions, are these intolerant religions that brought atrocities and warfare against African spirituality. And I don't mean to upset anybody who is practicing Christianity or practicing Islam, but I just want to point out some things about our historical association with those imports from the, from the uh, Western Asia. In the first place, Christianity came into the African world almost as soon as the Christian movement started. It came into Chemex, it came into what we now call Ethiopia, into Athens, and it came in as a refugee movement. And with the toleration and the openness African people, the African people opened up and said come on me in. But from the very beginning those movements challenged African spirituality. Because they were monopolistic, because they asserted that there is only one way, they immediately confronted the tolerance in African spirituality. African spirituality can live with them but they found it typical to live with African spirituality until they discovered in that first coming that if they weren't tolerant about African spirituality, they were to stay in Africa. And so they allowed an Africanization of Christianity. And therefore, when you look at the Coptic church, which dominated the first coming, in Egypt, in Ethiopia, and, and later in the Sudan. When you look at the Coptic church, you can see a great deal of Africanism. If you go to Ethiopia today and go to some of the temples, you will see that there's some Africanism there. If you talk to the Coptics in, in Egypt, you will see that there's some Africanization there. But however much those first comings were Africanized, they still led to division and alienation among African people. And throughout the history of Ethiopia, and throughout the history of the Coptic Church, there has been alienation between those Christian establishments and true African spirituality. We have to accept that. The same is true of the first coming of Islam. Islam came into Africa as a jihad. The jihad didn't work in what we call Africa, south of the Sahara uh, it got turned back and so they had to try another way to get in Uh, and so they came in more or less as traders as merchants as people of goodwill asking for cooperation and they therefore were conducive to some Africanization and therefore in the first coming Islam also uh, was Africanized to a certain extent but there are certain things that we have to be aware of. They also brought in the box. the trade in African men and women. It began almost as soon as Islam got into Africa. That chattel-slave industry would be done. That's one thing. And the other thing is, however much Islam in its first coming was Africanized, it still tended to divide and alienate African people began to take over uh, and compete with the African tradition. If you notice the story of Suhdiyata, which is supposed to come from that period, for example, as glorious as that story is, if you notice the details of it, what it does is to pit Islam against African traditions, and it puts African uh, traditions in the position of being evil. The fight against the so people that Suhdiyata led, the fight of the Islamic Africans against the Masi Empire. you see, and the fact that history, much of African history in that part of the world is designed to show that Islam was a superior form of spirituality to true uh, African spirituality. So, even in the first coming, there was some great problems uh, in this warfare, this warfare had begun. In the second coming, of course, that story is all too familiar, because the second coming is with us now. That is, when Christianity came in, in the 15th century, with the Portuguese, and then the Spanish, and the English, and the French, and the Dutch, and so forth and so on, uh, and brought in the presence of the, the 18th and 19th century slaves in the slave industry, and brought in the missionaries, uh, we experience a kind of spiritual tyranny that uh, is unique, in human history. The educational tyranny, the religious despotism that was visible on African people is something that we still suffer from. Severe alienation uh, is the condition of most African people because of this tyranny. Uh, and African people responded as best they could. They took this, this second coming Christianity and tried to Africanize it through the Ethiopian movement that took root here in the Western Hemisphere and also on the continent of Africa. Uh, but whatever it is, we still are suffering from that terror, from that intrusion, from that warfare against African spirituality. If you look at what's going on in Uganda today, for example, with that uh, absurd uh, Christian movement that is just slaughtering people out of hand uh, in northern Uganda, that is something that uh, we have to really come to grips with. Uh, and have to understand that that is a product of African people abandoning African spirituality and being caught up in the tyranny of Western
4: spirituality. And the same is
5: true with the second coming of Islam, uh, because in the second coming of Islam, the jihad came back into Black Africa with that folio and that group who sometimes celebrated great heroes we have to understand that they were bringing a kind of religious tyranny on African people that was designed to stamp out African spirituality. And today we see manifestations of that in the Sudan where the Sharia is in, in operation, and we see it emerging again in Nigeria, where the northern Nigerians are safe, uh, issuing the call for the Sharia and that is resulting in another bloodshed in my We have to face the reality. We have to face the fact of that. This is the terrain that we have operated. This is going on today. Warfare against African spirituality. And what we need then, in view of that warfare, is some kind of spiritual, cultural, and religious Non aggression agreement. That in the African world, at this point, while we are trying to get it together, while we are trying to restore an African agenda, what we have to do is to decide that we are not going to be aggressive against each other's spirituality and a spiritual sense. We're going to have to respect each spiritual tradition until we can get things straightened out. We're gonna to have to stop trying to impose on African people this or that. We're gonna to have to allow African people to operate from where they are and try to get them to where we all should be. So what I would say, so what I would say to those of us who are still practicing Christianity, Islam, and Judaism, that that's fine. Africanize it as much as you can. But believe me, you still have another step to take. You still have another step to take to get the true African spirituality. So let us then look for the deep wells of African spirituality. Let us look for Deeper. You can't draw anything from the well unless you find you You got to find the well before you can draw something from it. Because the whole African universe is on a spiritual and cultural desert. The desiccation. Of the Sahel, which is growing south inch by inch, mile by mile, every year, is yeah. just simply the physical aspect of what is happening to African humanity all over the world. And that is the desiccation of our culture, the desiccation. Of our spirituality. So we have to recognize that. And in this desert, there are a few oases. And there are thousands of mirages. And when you stand in, in the middle of the desert and you look at there, it's difficult to tell the mirage and the way. And most of us have been moving toward mirage. Because that's what our leaders are equipped to do, is to lead us to the mirage. Because our leaders have been telling us for 300 years that if you Become a Catholic. If you become a Methodist, if you become a Presbyterian, if you become a congregationalist, if you become a Baptist, it's gonna be all right. And so we run to those (laughs) garages. We drink ourselves in that sand and begin to realize there's no water there at all. There's none of the more sand. And then they tell us, well, you haven't been devout enough. And if you look out there, you see that if you can get there, then it's going to be all right. And so you run out there and you find the same thing. If you get a Ph.D., get educated. Start using the old Start dressing more civilly, Start talking more proper. In other words, our leaders, are parroting what their masters are telling them about how to get out of this desert. If you stop dancing, if you stop drumming, if you stop shaking when you experience a spirituality, then uh, you will reach your destination. And so the mirage has us captivated, the tyranny of the mirage. The problem with the few oases that are out there is, in the first place, they are hard to discover. It's hard to separate them from the fraudulent oases, because there are a lot of brothers and sisters out there who are crooks, who got something that looks like an oasis, but it's just as detrimental as uh, the other kind of mirage. It's really a mirage. Those true OAEs that are out there are scattered and separated. The few communities that hang on to African spirituality and that continue, continue to cultivate are isolated and difficult to find. They don't have the proper resources in order to truly uh, establish themselves in an intergenerational sense. And so we have a lot of difficulty in this desert with many Muras and a few OAEs. And so we have to look around into our our library, into our uh, heritage, into our historical journey to see whether there are some models out there that we can start looking at. And I would suggest three models that will give us something. They are not the only ones. There are many more. But three models. Uh, One is the Haitian Revolution. The Haitian Revolution is a model that we can look at, starting with Bookman's Prayer that I'm going to come back to toward the end of my talk. Bookman's Prayer, which really told us that we have to come back home. In order to begin a revolution, you have to come back home. That's the beginning. That is the foundation. You have to come back home. because. We have fought many, many times, you know. We have established many campaigns. We have done a lot of sweat, a lot of crime, and a lot of bleeding Over the centuries we have fought this and that and the other. But when you think about it, almost every time we were fighting the wrong war, giving up our lives in the wrong war, the civil war. It looked like a good war for us to get involved in, but when it was over, you know, World War II, a lot of my daddy tells me that a lot of young men and women were very enthusiastic about that. I said, if we get involved in this war, it's going to be better. But they came back to strange truth. So we fought many, many wars and many battles. It's not a matter of thirds. It's not a matter of energy. We put in the energy and all that kind of stuff. But uh, somehow or another, we've been fighting the wrong war all the time. And so the Haitian Revolution then comes to us as a as a a deep way that we can get something out of Because it started with the proclamation that we must return to the African spiritual And throughout that Revolution, the place of Bodoon was promised. The Bodoon of the of the forest of Haiti, the Bodoon of the so-called Maroons, the free and independent community constantly fed and kept alive that spirit of freedom that finally resulted in the first revolution against slavery in the history of humanity, and the most important and significant military event in the history of the modern world, although nobody knows that because the European intellectuals have decided to hide the significance of that event from us. And then when Dessalines finally pushed the French and the English and the Spanish off the island and proclaimed independence, he inserted in the Constitution many things that we could go through, but One thing in this context is very important, and that is freedom of religion. Now, it sounds as though freedom of religion is nothing but a repetition of what the French and the Americans had done. But what Desiline meant by freedom of religion is to take away the stigma for volume. What he wanted to make certain was that the Haitian people were not...
1: You are listening to The Deep Well of African Culture and Spirituality, a lecture given by Baba Jedi Shimsu Jehudi, otherwise known as Dr. Jacob Karebis, here on Africa's Reascension. We will continue after this quick
5: break.
3: I want you to try
5: and tell us everything that happened, anything you can remember. of.
0: I just want to tell the truth. The truth. The truth. There's your truth, my truth, and the truth. People say one thing and do another. We call them hypocrites. This is Queenie Fama, the truth cherry. And that's what I look for. I look for the truth. Join me on Sunday on Blog Talk Radio at 6 p.m. That's Blog Talk Radio at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash queen hyphen efama. I look forward to seeing you 6 p.m. on Sundays. Come join me. Let's get down to the butt naked truth. Ho up, everybody. I just want to tell The truth. The truth. The truth.
1: Welcome back. We are listening to Jedi Shimsu Jehuti, otherwise known as Dr. Jacob Carruthers. He's an ancestor now, speaking on the deep well of African culture and African spirituality. Here's part three.
5: ...from continuing to practice Bodou. That's why they say, even 200 years later, that even though 90% of the Haitians are Catholic, one hundred percent practical rule. Uh and even though the Haitian Revolution finally was uh sort of truncated because of the um, the playing around with various leaders, uh, nonetheless that is a powerful model for us to look at. The revolution was so tied to the African spirituality that, that explains the miracle.
4: How did these
5: five hundred thousands African people with nothing but grapes and holes. How did they beat Napoleon's best army? Oh, right. Napoleon had the most efficient army in the world at that right. time, and they
2: defeated
5: his army. How did they do it? Right. African spirituality, oh, right. well, The second model, of course, we've already talked about, and that's chemistry. Um, that the, that the thing that kept going to 4,000 years, the Nile Valley civilization going to 5,000, 4,000 years, is the ability of African spirituality to knit African people together. Uh, the foundation of that spiritual system in the Nile Valley was a common principle of African spirituality, and the realization that in order for African spirituality to work in the context of the world as it was developing in those years, was to develop an urban and cosmopolitan orientation for African spirituality. And I'll say a few things about that uh, in a few minutes. Uh, thus what you had was the evolution of a synthetic, multi-ethnic nation, a true African union uh, that emphasized a respect for local divinities, local Religious groups, local, local uh, to put it in, in, in the terms of living to express it, the local gods. A profound respect. Every city, every community had its own uh, perspective on African spirituality. And the system was able to coordinate all of that and keep all of those people together without falling out with each other and without starting. Spiritual warfare. That was one of the great contributions of chemistry that we all know. The world. How can you keep all of those millions of African people who have different perspectives on spirituality with the same principles? However, how do you keep them from falling apart? The third model is something that Kwame Nkrumah uh, pointed out in his book Consciousness. I have often criticized uh Brother M. Even though I have a profound respect for his commitment and the role that he has played in African liberation, I have often criticized him, and I think my criti- my criticism of him where I criticize him is valid even now. And that is, when he says, seek ye first the political kingdom and everything will be added unto you. I disagree with that. I think that Seek ye first spiritual people, and everything will be added to you.
4: But there's something
5: that from did point out uh, in this, uh, what is called a philosophical work, Consciousness, that is important. He said, let us recognize the fact that in Africa you have three strands in one place, and then another place he calls them three features, and another place he calls them three segments of traditional African culture, Islam, and Christianity. We have to recognize that African people are divided along those cultural bases. But he didn't go as far as Adam Newell did who took this idea and just simply made it above the idea by calling it African Triple Heritage, if you remember when Alan McWilliams presented his, uh, his television series on Africa. He tried to elevate this uh, to, to really uh, uh, assert that each one of these were authentic African traditions. But what Incoma pointed out is that while we recognize that the African peoples are divided among those three traditions, so to speak, that only one of them is truly authentically African, and that is the African tradition, and that in resolving those differences and creating a true African union, the African spirituality is going to have to prevail. That's something that Alan didn't really uh, point out, because he has an interest in ignoring that. Uh, so if we look at those three models, I think we have something we can work with. And if we look at it in terms of the one African leaders in our history who really wrestled with this problem, perhaps more than any other, I think we can see a way back home, and that is Edward Wilmar's life. Uh, Edward
4: Wilmar's life
5: was born and raised in his early life in the Christian tradition. He became a Christian minister. He came from the Caribbean, he came to America, as it is called, the United States, then he went to Africa, then he went to Europe. In other words, he was truly a universal African in terms of space. He traveled around the whole African world. He, he went to Kenya, And so he had an African experience that was unusual for his day and time. But in terms of his spirituality, he started out as a Christian minister. Filled with missionary zeal, when he first went to Liberia, his idea was to go over there and uh, and convert those people to Christianity. And as he began his mission, he suddenly realized that Christianity wasn't the solution; it was the problem. And so. By the time he got into his 60s, after he was trying to fight with that for most of his life, he converted to Islam. That's something that most of us don't know. He converted to Islam. And after a few years, because he thought that Islam was more tolerant of African spirituality, of African culture, and so he converted to Islam. And uh, Liberia really lost a lot of money when he converted to Islam. Uh, because at that time he was the president of the University of the College of Liberia and all of the philanthropists withdrew their money uh, from the college. And while he was struggling with that, he had another revelation. And in his 70s, he turned to African spirituality. And he wrote that wonderful little thin volume, African Life and Customs, where he embraced African spirituality. And so he went for full circle. He went through Christian, through Islam, and then came back home. He took that step, and therefore, his life, I think, stands as a testament to what is possible, what we can do, and where we are as we travel uh, through this desert. So let us then take a few swigs from this water in the deep well as my brother Greg talked about. It. My little brother. I'm so happy that the ASCAC is an intergenerational association. <laughs> <She'll improve.
2: laughs>
5: and, uh, and that's what it's ought to be. Because so many of our movements have died when the car cosmetic founders died. Uh, some of that due to the ego that often accompanies leadership. Many of us, you know, get to be president or something or chairman or something, and uh we sort of take that a little too seriously. <laughs> and we think the same game wrong some of us be the chairman or the president of uh but uh you know you, you gotta we gotta start looking at that a little bit more. I, the way I found out about it was long before I got to be a so-called leader of anything but a party group. <laughs> but back in my party days, uh, we used to meet at the Savoy every uh, day. We could look. I didn't think the Savoy could run unless I was there. You know, when I opened it up and closed it down. Wherever else I would go, I could go to another affair, but I always came back closed and closed the Savoy down. And uh, you know, I it was so so that when I walked into the bar, people, he hey, 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 hey! Uh and then I got real sick. <laughs> and um they didn't think I would know me. And um at one day while I was sick, before the word got out that I was on the recovery, I peeked my head and And do you know things were going on
2: as though I never had existed. <laughs> And that's something
5: I think you have to come to grips with it. <laughs> <laughs> that this world is going on where we live And we have to start uh, planning our organizational activity, our institutional building, based on that. And so I'm glad to see Shamshu and Lee Young. And uh, I'm glad that I'm still sane enough to pass this talk on. <laughs> And lean on that staff of old age, because we have tried to give them good speech as much as is possible. And we hope that they have listened. And they will take us to heights that my generation was not able to reach. We could envision that we couldn't reach. So, anyway, let us take a few swigs from this deal. Um, as I said, that with him and Ms. Sue is extremely important. We have to it's adopt that principle that creation isn't something that happens. Creation is a happening. It is a happening. It's here and now. It's not something that we did once or that the Lord did once and it's never going to be done again. It is a happening. It is a part of the African uh, worldview, And the great principle that comes out of and that was cultivated during the Mohenemetsu, about 2,000 B.C., when the Mohenemetsu started. The great principle that was really cultivated there was Mach, or as you say, Mahat. Mach is the principle that is the creative force of the universe, with all of the dynamics and energetic components of reality, there is a mighty foundation. A foundation that puts everything in its proper place and that keeps everything in balance. That is my, That is the model of human existence. My. Everything, not even the Creator is conceptualized as being free from might in one text. Uh, we are told that the Creator must imbibe His daughter Moth and He must be surrounded by His daughter Moth. In other words, He has to ingest it. It has to be inside Him and it must be around Him. Mot is really the guiding principle of the universe. Another principle of African spirituality is unicity. The unity of everything in the universe. Sister Latrella in her uh, invocation this morning, uh, talked about the worms, talked about the birds, and talked about the clay. Everything is a member of the family of existence, everything is divine. There is no alienation between the creator. And the creation. Everything in the creation is divine. That is a principle of African spirituality that must be submitted to. Everything. Once you are able to understand what that means, then the problem of mock on earth, the problem of mock in humanity, uh, becomes very simple. That you do not violate. Anything in the universe. You approach everything in the universe as a personality. You approach the bug as a personality. You approach the tree as a personality. You approach the wind as a personality. Just think, if the world practice that, there would be no small. There would be no ozone hole up there. There would be no situation where you can't do You know, think about life like There are a few things that everybody would agree or enjoy, like eating and having sex. Universal from the standpoint of just a bottom line, so to speak. And now you can't do either one of those things without fearing that you're going to die. They are both essential to life, but you can't do either one of without fearing you And so what we have to do is to understand the family of Ujama that is in the universe. That is Africa. We have to get back to it. We also have to understand that eternity, even though it is opaque in terms of our ability to comprehend it, uh, you know, for example, every time you think about eternity, the only way you can attempt to define it, define it, unless you have some exceptional insight that I don't have, uh, you have to define it in terms of its opposite, and that's time. Because when you think of eternity, you think without time, But even though it's difficult to conceptualize, it's difficult to conceive in terms of how it operates, we have to realize that this is eternal, that this universe is eternal. And that nothing is either created, nothing it, it is in the normal sense of creation, and nothing is destroyed. That everything continues forever and ever and ever. Everything always has been, is now, and always will be, and that it is truly universal, everywhere. One of the formulas in the uh, in the in the iconography of chemistry, where the uh, deceased person is receiving the breath of life and receiving the gift of God, uh, one of them is mirajet, which is, most people translate out as like the sun forever. But if you, and well, I don't want to get too technical here, but if you look at the word jet, uh, you can ter- interpret it not only as forever, but also as everywhere, like the sun everywhere. The sun is everywhere <laughs> in our universe, and so we have to look at it like that. It is. And the other principle that we have to emphasize within that is the idea of humanity that everybody and everything is divine. It is at hand. You don't have to go through the eye of a needle. You don't have to have the confession of original sin in order to enter the kingdom. It's at hand. It's right here. All you have to do is cultivate what the Creator has placed. Some of the selected features are, and keep us grounded, the idea of honor. Honor the hidden one, that keeps us grounded. When we realize, I don't care how spiritual you are, how much you've studied, how devoted you seem to be, how much a master of the ritual you are, that you don't know everything. And you ain't going to learn that there is a profound mystery to existence. That there are a lot of things you can know. The things you can know will lead you to the good life. But what you yes. have to understand is that nobody will ever completely solve all the mysteries of the universe. However, ever science may become, we have to accept that. Accept the humility that is involved in that. And we also have to recognize that existence is a gift. We have to accept existence as a gift. We have to accept the the proclamation that you find in the iconography and chemistry, that I, the Creator, I have given all life, all power, and all health. Accept that the Creator has given that. The special gift that the Creator gives given is madu Legend, that is the divine speech. That is the thing that makes human beings unique. Is the divine speech of the, the what some people call the Word of God, and we express that through the cultivation of madu neshit. Madu neshit means good speech. That you are on the track to obeying God. When you are consciously pursuing good speech, because speech is the mode of human interaction. Speech, you can, you, can, you can make human beings do things a lot of ways, but the human way is through speech. When you can speak with such authority that the person spoken to will send you, that is, will listen that is, will obey you because it's right, then you, you are ready. You on the path of the way of life and the commitment of the good. And the Creator has given us some special equipment to do our human project. We have a project. When you come into this world, when you are born, when you come from your mother's womb, you are an artist. You are an office. That is your appointment to office, and you have to treat that light, what you call healing, that period between the time you come out of the womb and the time you pop into the ground. You have to treat that as an office, a space and an opportunity for you to perform in service. That's what, that's what the, human, the human project is, is to perform in service, because the Creator is performing the service by giving us life, power, and health. And we <laughs> must follow that model and, uh, and uh, get ourselves together. So we have some special equipment. We yeah. have a cat that is a body. We have a, a bar that is a personality. And we must make certain that our personality is not phony. You know, like you say, so and so is phony. In other words, their personality, the personality that they put forth, is different from who they really are. And you know that. You know, you know that. You know who's going in, who ain't going. On. So you have to make certain that your body is consistent with you. Uh, and then of course you have the eternal life force that is given to you as you come okay. into this life. They're called the cock. Uh, and then you have the e, the heart, which is the seventh of judgment, the seventh of knowledge, your eve. That's part of you uh, that is really responsible. And so you have that equipment, and in you
1: addition you've been listening to The Deep Well of African Culture and African Spirituality by Dr. Jacob Carruthers, an ancestor now. His real name was Shedi uh, Shimsu Jehudi. Um, No break this time. Time is getting quick. Let's go ahead and jump right into the last segment.
5: You also have some other special equipment, Uh, even though it may be a little submerged. You have your sea, which is exceptional perception. That is, when you cultivate what is in you as the divine essence of you, when you cultivate, you can see clearly, you can see things that you couldn't ordinarily see. You have clarity. You can understand things that seem to dumbfound most people. You also have who, and that is articulation, the ability to express your thoughts with clarity so that everybody can understand you and understand that what you are saying is correct. And therefore you don't have any problem with obedience. And you also have hate. But some people call it magic. But it's just extraordinary power to accomplish what the mind and the tongue command. When you have a clear mind, a clear turn, you can do things. You can move mountains. You can do things that you can accomplish. You can accomplish things. When there's clarity in aspect. we can do things that the day before we decided seem impossible. We produced the first volume of the African World History Project. People said, You can't do that. We produced a hard that everybody that's been in contact with it says, Ooh, this You know, we did it because we have clarity, because we have fear, and hate. That's the equipment that the Creator has given us to do this. The, uh, One of the things that you find in the book of the voice is true. Um, this, this statement by the Creator, I did four good deeds at the gate of the horizon. That is, at the beginning of what you call time, I did four good deeds. I made the four winds that everybody might breathe their heart. That is one deed. I made the great inundation, the great flood, that the poor might have rights, like the great. that is, one deed. I made everybody like their fellows. I did not command that they do evil. It was in their hearts through which they violated what I said. That was one of the deeds. I made their hearts to cease from forgetting the West, and that is the land of eternity, in order that divine offerings might be given to the God of the locality. And that is one of the deeds. In other words, we have a gift from the Creator. We have been given an office to work in, to serve so that we might do what the Creator commands. And what the command is, is first of all to center, that is to listen, to obey, to understand the gift of God and to understand the command of God. And that command, in brief form, is Jezmaat Irmaat. is speak and is a do. That it is not sufficient to talk about it. I mean, that's what we're doing now. We're talking about it, but you've got to do it. That if you talk about it and you haven't done it, then you are not speaking good. Excuse my ground. You're not speaking good because it doesn't represent It doesn't represent the truth. You know, I don't care how articulately you express something, if it doesn't represent what you did, it's a lie. And so you have to obey that command. And then you have to imitate, imitate what the creation presents you with. That's the memorial that you see in the Nile Valley. When we go to the Nile Valley, and we go from, from Memphis, to Gaza, to, uh, to Giza, to uh, Luxor, and to Abu Simbel. When we go there, what we see is the human celebration of the creation. The pyramids, the obelisks, the tombs, the temples, the iconography, all of those, and the writings, all of those are attempts to repeat what the Creator has done as much as is humanly possible uh, therefore we are commanded to give life and power and health, obey the good laws, and that means obeying the good laws. What are the good laws uh you you you, you, you say well you know when you when you when you're spiritual you're supposed to be in another realm, but this kind of spirituality. While it does not uh, prevent you from entering another realm, it does not depreciate your association with that higher realm. It commands you to do stuff right here on earth. That's right. And that's what is important to us, is to get to work down here on earth. This is where our big job is right here on earth. It means that you have to help people. You have to give life. You have to give food to those who are hungry, clothes, and transportation to those who don't have it. You have to give up. A lift, an uplift, a, help, a helping hand to somebody who's stumbling and falling. And more importantly, you have to teach and educate those who are ignorant, those fools. You have to educate them. You have to get their attention. You have to open their eyes. Those who are blind, you have to open their eyes. Uh, you have to show them what the world is really like. And then finally, you have to give them speech. You have to enable those who are speech impaired in the, in the General sense of speech and parent, that those who cannot articulate uh, this connection with the divine, you have to teach them good speech so that they can begin to walk on the right way. We have to demonstrate piety, piety, that profound pious attitude towards divinity, towards the divinity that is in everything. We have to begin to do that. And that doesn't mean that you have to walk around holier than that. It just means that you have to respect everybody and everything. Uh, you have to participate in the in the continuity of the intergenerational transmission of culture and spirituality. You have to understand that this is just a moment where we all now that you may make it to 90 years old, but it's just a place. It's just a flash. That you are connected from the beginning of what we call time to the end of time, and that you are vital link in that. And that any flaw in that link is a blemish on the the human process. And so you must understand that what you have to do is to respect the ancestral tradition. We have to put our ancestral tradition together, because the people who have been at war against us have tried to break our connection with our ancestors. They have tried to debate our ancestors and accuse our ancestors of paganism and savages, uh, and ignorance. And therefore we go around ashamed of our ancestors. But what we have to understand is that however much our ancestors might have uh, not seen everything clearly, they were trying as the best they could to get out of this mess and to leave a better world for us and they found. And we have to, you know, continue that tradition. We have to practice those rituals and show respect for those rituals. We have to realize that life for us is a series of development stages. and every one of those stages, we have to celebrate. We have to come to the temple as a community in order to revitalize ourselves, in order to renew that mock that is within us all. Uh, we have a, an idea of what that means in terms of walking around the earth and, and intent, whose name means something like the gift, the son of the sinner, the son of the sister, who says, I am silent with the angry, patient with the ignorant, so as to quell strife. I am cool. And that's that one of my favorite concepts, uh, is cool. Uh, that's what we used to say when we were kids. How you doing, man? I'm cool. But that is, you have to be cool. You have to be free of hate, knowing the outcome, expecting what comes. I'm a speaker in situations of strife. I'm friendly when I hear my name to those who would tell me their concerns. I'm controlled, kind, friendly, one who claims, who calms the weak with good words. I'm bright-faced, open-handed, an oil of food who does not cover my face. I'm a friend to the poor, one well-disposed to the have not. I'm one who feeds the hungry and need, who is open-handed to those without. Me. I am a source of knowledge for those who lack. I'm one who teaches a person what is it's useful. And I'm a listener who listens to my, and who ponders in my heart. I'm kindly and not hot-tempered. One does not attack a person for a remark. I'm accurate like the scale. Straight and true like Jehudi, Jehudi, the founder of wisdom of speech. I'm a knower who teaches myself knowledge. And I'm a speaker in the hall of mind, skilled in speech, in trying situations. That is, one glimpse at an ideal, spiritual aspect. That's the way we have to start thinking about ourselves. As an office worker, someone who is appointed on this earth to serve, and we have to define what that means, but what it does mean is giving life and power and help, as much as is within our power. So let me wind down here with a little advice. Um, one of the things that, uh, you know, there are a lot of, uh, in this kind of outbreak of movement towards African spirituality, sometimes we get a little carried away. And we, uh, we 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 sort of, in my opinion, get things out of balance here. Let us not think of African spirituality as a romance between you and the Almighty. Think of it. That is that nobody else is talking to God but me. And me and God are tight. And God tells people to me every morning to tell you <laughs> what you ought to be doing. we got to get out of that. we got to get out of that. The divine is open to everybody. It is open to everybody. And we are all traveling in that direction in our own time and place. And we have to respect it. We can teach we can suggest and we can urge. And let us not believe that we are having a man, a little individual, head to head, with <laughs> And let us also remember this, that while there's a place for secrets, and you don't blare about everything uh, that is on your mind, like, um, when I first got to Chicago, and the young pastor used to make public announcements every day about what they were going to do. And I would say, hey brother, don't tell the man what you're going to do. We're going to be on Madison and State <laughs> at 4 p.m. with our revolutionary proposal. And they weren't able to gather at Madison State the man was there, you know what I mean? There is a place for the seekers, but our major job at this point, and under these conditions, and in this mess we are in, is clarification and not mystification. What we need to do is to clarify spirituality well. for African people, <coughs> rather than mystification, to make it to make it known that it's available to everybody, every African. Has this spiritual route right available? All you have to do is commit yourself to, to start looking at your life as an offering. To start looking at the gift of God and the command of God—that is life, power, and health. I say the old cult has its place, but it must not promote tyranny, exclusiveness, uh, and. The idea of superiority and the idea that we are doing it better than you are. What we say in the Temple of the African Community of Chicago is that we are attempting to restore an authentic form of African spirituality. We don't have all the answers. And we respect the way other African people approach the restoration of African spirituality, and we appreciate it. Because it's going to take all of us going in those various uh, along those various paths, as long as we keep the objective uh, in view. So, what we have to do is to realize that symbolically we are building the temple, we are rebuilding the temple. Our temples have been desecrated. Our monuments have been reduced to ruins. Our ancestors have been denigrated. Our heritage has been ridiculed. Our people have been oppressed and suppressed. And what we have to do is to change our that. We have to restore that which is in ruins. We have to rebuild those temples that have been destroyed. We have to restore African spirituality. As I said, we have to stop just simply talking about it. We must link those oases that are scattered out throughout humanity, throughout African humanity. We have to link those oases up together, coordinate what they are doing, and reestablish African spirituality because the forces we are up against are organized and unified in a significant sense, even though they have their own family fights. You know, but look at the power of the Catholic Church, the Roman Church. Look at the power of the Greek Church. Look at the power of Islam. Look at the power even of Buddhism. We have to realize that we are in a world now, where spirituality has to be united in order, I'm sorry to say, this may sound inconsistent, with spirituality, but in order to fight this spiritual We have to do it. I was in Venezuela several years ago. Went to one of the museums there, and they had a mural that was as long as this wall. And in this mural, they showed three gods with their uh, devotees supporting them. One was the god of the indigenous people, the Indians, as we call them. The other was the Africans. And the other was the Europeans. And needless to say, the European gods and gods and heroes were utterly destroying the gods of the indigenous people and the African people. They are at war. They have committed the trials. We have been victimized by that kind of tyranny and that kind of despotism, and those kinds of atrocities, that kind of blitzkrieg. We have to recognize that we are at war. And we have to mobilize ourselves in the spiritual in order to make certain that we win that war. Because the war will be won. This war will be won in the hearts of African people. When we can proclaim that African people are together on this spiritual corner, when we no longer see African so-called Christians fighting other Africans. When we no longer see African Muslims fighting other Africans, when we see Africans united on the spiritual plane, then we know that we are on the road. But so we have to rebuild the temple. We have to not only practice rituals in small groups, we have to not only have conferences like this where we talk, but we got to do it. We have to establish the temple. We have to have regular renewals of our spirit, regular coming together of our spirit, uh, that I think is the reality that we have to confront. And therefore, let me wind it down by reminding you of something that I think I said the first time I spoke to an group in New York about the Sanuity, about Senua who left home as a young man because he was afraid of the problem of putting it back together saying kind of falling apart fall and chemistry and he was afraid that it was going sort to of overwhelm him so he went to a foreign country and he found it attractive in his young life he thought he was intrigued by this exotic foreign <coughs> person and he fell into it and he became a naturalized citizen and he married and had a family and participated in the war, became a Officer in the army and all that kind of stuff. And then one day he found nothing. And he wasn't homeless. One of the great farmers reminded him of that in a very painful way. And even though he won the little struggle, um, <clears throat> after he had won it, he wrote to the Pharaoh and asked the Pharaoh could he come back home. And the Pharaoh said, uh, I don't know why you left in the first place, but whatever case, come back to Kimmich. Come back to the black community, see the cradle city as the place where you came into existence, and kiss the ground at the great gate and mingle with your brothers And in order to do that, we have one thing left on our and that is what. Hooks and Duddy said on August the 14th, 1791, when he organized the Haitian Revolution on the basis of African spirituality. Throw away the image of the white man's God who has so often brought down our kids and listen to liberty which speaks in all our hearts. All right. That
1: was um, Baba Jacob Carruthers, also better known as Eddie Shinsu Jehuti, Um, and the lecture was The Deep Well of African Culture and African Spirituality. Now, we've got about a minute left. If no one raises their hand, then we won't do any overtime. We'll just go ahead and end it after the closing. Um, And we do reserve the right to come back and revisit this um, talk at a future time and dig into it and have um, more discussions about it. Um, I don't see any hands raised, so we'll go ahead and play the closing and um, come back next week. Africa's Reascension. Abibi Fahodiye, Total African Liberation, Yabedi Inkonim, We Will Be Victorious.
0: The system of European control works is that you have to accept a concept of reality which makes them superior.
3: If you deny that, their thing will not work and they will lose their control.